You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks. Welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dangle. Now, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Ryan Dangle. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. I'm going to bring in the assistant editor of Bears Wire. That's Brendan Shagru. If you want to find Brendan on Twitter, it's at Brendan Shagru. That's S-U-G-R-U-E. I'm also going to bring in Jack Wright. If you want to find Jack Wright on Twitter, it's at Bear Down Jack. Now, our guy, uh, Dan at uh, Dan from Three Kings of the Midway should be here shortly. Um, I know he said he was going to join us tonight, so we're looking forward to having him in. Unfortunately, Sheldon couldn't be here, but he's excited. Uh, sounds like his son is just absolutely crushing it in baseball, so that's a fantastic thing. And then uh, Logan is is here, but he's doing his baseball thing. Boys, actually, I want to say this. Brendan, it wasn't a tie. <laughs> It could have been, man. It really could have been. Like we got close. <laughs> there, there was a moment in that last drive before the ugh, interception that took place. Uh, I, I thought for a second, Brennan can't be right. <laughs> oh come on! I, I mean, like it would have been the funniest tie in the history of ties, and I would have been insufferable. I, I would have preferred a tie over what we saw. Um, and first off, let me just say real quickly, um, game ball to you, sir for being here. Cause I did not think that you were going to be here after uh, you and your beautiful wife had a beautiful daughter. So congratulations. Um, Thank I know you. you're, you're ecstatic, but yeah, man, I like game ball to you. I did not think you were going to be on this show. So props to you, bro. G- game ball does not go to me goes to the wife. And I want to tell that story later, boys. It is insane. F- first let's bring in our guy, Dan Goodwin, the third from three Kings, of the midway, Dan, it's so good to have you on the show. How are you, buddy? What's happening? How y'all doing? Hey, Dan. Good, man. Good. Good. Okay. So let me just say that 55 minutes, my wife wakes me up and she goes, I think I might be having contractions, but I don't really know. I'm going to go take a shower, you know, just see like maybe it'll pass. And all of a sudden it was like, I'm just, I'm like laying back in bed and she, and all of a sudden I hear, and I'm like, yo, that was like four minutes maybe from the last time she said something. I'm like, hey, maybe it's time to go to the hospital. She's like, yeah, let's go to the hospital. Barely made it in the emergency room. Like, it was insane. Just absolutely insane. So shout out to my wife. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that later at shout outs. Okay, boys, round, round robin question here. Are the Chicago Bears the worst team in the NFL? Yes. Uh, yeah, currently, yes, they are. Dan, can Dan, I just what? say real quickly, I'm <laughs> glad that you have your shades on so we can't see you cry. Um, that's, a, that's a really smart move, man. Well, well, you know, I've got black, black hat. It's a bear's hat, but it's black. It's a bear shirt, but it's black. And I got shades on because we need to start playing in a funeral. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Let's dude, just be with, just... You know, 
So um, are they the worst team in the NFL? No, I don't think they are. Are they the worst coach team? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I got your your pick on this. When Eberflus was hired, were you kind of let's wait and see? Were you why did they hire this guy, or were you kind of excited? And we kind of like went the the whole spectrum here on on the pod. Yeah, I was um, I was I was I was happy about it. The hire, I'll be honest, I was happy about the hire, and the reason being is because I wanted somebody. They didn't, you know, everybody was clamoring for. Or give me an offensive mind. Give me an offensive mind. Give me an offensive, right? And I said, I don't care anything about offensive or defensive minds. I want somebody that's going to be a CEO of the team. And the way he came in and what he said led me to believe that that's what he was. I'm gonna I'm gonna hire the right people, put him in places, you know, let these guys coach guys up. I'm gonna be overseeing everything, and I believe that. I, I believe I believed him, right? I believe the hits principles and and holding people accountable. All of that stuff sounded good to me because it sounded like a CEO, not somebody that's I got to be hands on with the the offensive team. And, you know, then the defense goes by the wayside or even the defense and the offense goes by the wayside. He didn't he didn't give me that vibe at all. So I was I was happy with the hire. I thought he was deserving of it. Um, But. The biggest thing that slipped through when it comes to the, 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 the hiring process to me was the coaching staff itself. Like he hired guys, but Luke Getze was a guy that never called plays. And we just said, okay, he's coming from Green Bay. They've had success. Aaron Rodgers, blah, blah, blah. And everybody was kind of on board with it when we really should have looked deeper at it and said, okay, when did he call plays actually? Or was he just a QB coach? Even going back to his days in college, he didn't call plays. You see? And don't give me that passing game coordinator crap. I don't believe in that. <laughs> you're either a coordinator or you're not. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I, there's no tag team coordinator jobs. That's not how it operates. So um, I think that was, a, that was a thing. And then, of course, the defensive spectrum end of the situation as well. You know, it, it – the coaching staff itself to me has been lackluster. So I think we were bamboozled. We were fooled. Big time. Yeah. I, I saw a, uh, a tweet from uh, my guy, Marcus. He does these awesome videos and he pulled up a clip from Eberflus's pre- like opening press conference. And maybe it was said at the time, but nobody really like dialed into it. He's talking about sort of his goals and everything. And he's reading them off a sheet and he's like, you know, okay, we're gonna we're gonna win, and we're, we're gonna play hard and play smart and execute, because I love to say execute. And uh, he just sort of like was reading it off of like a, a script essentially. And then he's like, you know, yeah, okay, that that kind of sounded good. And it's just one of those moments you're like, damn, you like you really are full of it. Like you just you, you played us all. You, you had us believing that somebody who is mentored by Lovey Smith could then bring in that same culture and that same mentality and create a culture and a foundation that these guys will play hard and they will play smart. And they'll, at the very least, if they're not as talented, like they were last year, they're at least going to compete and start building something special. I feel like I'm sounding like him right now, but like, sure enough, that never happened. And now you, you let you're left with a guy who every single time he's, 
and look, it's hard. I'm sure as a coach, when you're, when you're on the firing squad there with the media and you're trying to, to sound positive and bring up the positives, like, well, we did this right. And we did that right. But it's like, how many times are you going to say that we're close? How many times do you say, are you going to say that we're building something special here and that things are just around the corner? Good things are around the corner. You've been saying that for over a damn year. It's been a long ass year for all of us. And it's just the same merry-go-round circle, you know, goes round and round and nothing ever happens. Even when the good things do happen, you find a way to mess it up. So we were definitely bamboozled. Dan's right. Brendan, I feel like you could do a really good George W. Have you ever tried? Like that sounded a little bit like a mixture between Floose and George bit, yeah. W. Bush. I don't know. Can I do it? My fellow oh, Americans. <laughs> now we're going to win the war in Iraq. Now watch this drive. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> okay, there, yeah, there it is. Okay. There it is. All right. All right, Jack. Let's think, uh, let's think some sponsors, shall we? Uh, so we want to shank. Uh, shank. We're not going to shank. Sheridan's Barbershop. That would be rude. Uh, so we'll just go ahead and that. that would be rude. There we are. We're off to a great start. Here we go. Up and running. I love Will, and I would never hurt him. Uh, Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, has been serving the community for 69 years with six barbers open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. You can go to sheridansbarbershop.com. Or you can call 630-668-0137 and book yours today, Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. I don't want to come out of the gates angry because I know it'll happen at some point. But I do, Brendan, I didn't even ask, do we have a breakdown for this week? We do have a breakdown for this week. So, you know, we're going to make sure that the, the technology is working here, which I think that it will be. I, I need I need to hear how this game went. Let's hear it, baby. Break it down for us. We go to the powder keg that is Soldier Field, which is ready to erupt with angst, expletives, and sweaty individuals downing great tasting and less fillings as the George McCaskey-owned Chicago Bears welcome the Homer Simpson-owned Denver Broncos. Oh, the Denver Broncos. Which team with a bigger bonehead leading them would come out on top? The Horsies got things started when Jaleel Sarah McLaughlin caught the ball like it was in the arms of an angel to give them a son of a nothing start. But Justin Fields showed that he got that dog in him and said, you can kiss my ASPCA ass, as he said, hey, Mr. DJ, to get the Bears tied up. But Fields wasn't done yet. He said, I can't get enough of J. Cole Komet finding him not once, but twice for three total touchdowns in the first half. The Bears lead 21-7 at at the half? It was more of the same in the third quarter when Fields fired his fourth touchdown to Khalil Herbert Hoover, who sucked in the pass like a vacuum for the score. But just as the Broncos were on their way to the glue factory, Russell Wilson took a hold of the wheel and said, Broncos country, let's drive. Wilson found Brandon Johnson in the end zone, who was left wide open with no police presence whatsoever around him for the score. Wilson then leaned into a healthy diet when he found Cortland Seattle Sutton to bring the Broncos even closer. And the Bears got the ball back. But we have breaking news from Jonathan Anderson Cooper, who had the scoop of his life scoop and score that is to tie things up 28 28 but chicago had their chance to take the lead but said nah we don't want it and gave the ball back to denver who then kicked a field goal to complete the comeback and send bears fans into an existential crisis broncos 31 bears 28 
I like the Sarah McLaughlin. That was a good. That, that, was, that good. was that was my favorite. Just as a quick shout out, because we don't do it enough. Beats by Blackie Chan. He does our intro music, our outro music, and he does Brendan's breakdown music. And I don't think we give him enough credit for that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and I think it hurt more now. I, I was doing fine. And then, you know, Brendan made me laugh and then he made me really upset. Boys, I want to hear. Let's go same order as last time. So let's go Brendan, Jack, Dan, and I'll finish it up. Uh, where do you place the blame on this loss? If you had to give it a percentage, you have to hand it out a little bit. Um, that's fine. However you want to. Um, where, did, where does this loss come from? The Bears are 0 and 4. Ugh. Um, okay. I will, I I think it is, it's not one person or one thing. So I will kind of tear this, um, just as I see it. The first, first thing overall is the coaches and the coaching staff in particular, I'd say Matt Eberflus as well as Luke Getze, because even when things started to slow down in the third quarter, and I'm, I'm sure we will talk about Justin Fields's day because overall, I mean, like it was great overall, but once that fumble hit and once that scoop and score happened, and I don't necessarily blame Fields for that because he just had a guy right in his face. There's nothing he could really do about it. Like he came free. But then the coaches, whether it was Fields and or the coaches, things started to look again like what we saw in the last few weeks where there was no downfield passing. Fields looked a little skittish maybe, and maybe his confidence was rattled. But I don't think his coaches did did him really any favors. There was a lot of like end arounds and, and screen passes. And to be fair, it was kind of working. But I just didn't feel that confidence there. And I didn't feel like the coaches had confidence in fields to kind of like let it, you know, grip it and rip it down the field. So that was my first issue where I was like, let's see him actually do something. And then I'm just going to talk about the, the fourth and one or fourth and two call. I'm okay with the fact that Iberflus wanted to go for it because I think that you're at home. Yeah. You're at home. You can ice the game right there, but then you call a timeout after you try to get them to jump. Okay, then you show your hand. I think once you do that, if you're not going to go for it on the first time, then you kick it. Okay, you burn a timeout, but you're still going to get the points. The fact that you still ran it out there again and then had something from shotgun because you thought it was working well, that's inexcusable. That is definitely on the coaching staff. And I know Donna Wright and Larry Borum kind of talked about how they, they could have done their jobs better. Fine, but they shouldn't have been in that situation to try and block on a shotgun run when you're already giving yourself four yards negative to try and get back. That's that's BS. Okay. And then, so I, I, I really give most of the coaches that blame. And then of course the prevent defense, I mean, come on, you're, you're turning up the pressure for the most part and maybe you're not getting home to Russell Wilson, but it was, it was there at least. And then you stop doing it because you had yourself comfortable lead. Great. Look what happens. So I, I do it there. And then I will give Justin Fields a little bit, a little bit of blame at the end. Not necessarily for the interception, because those happen. And I think that, you know, um, guys like run wrong wrong routes. I think Cole Komet, maybe not the best target in that situation. I'm more mad about the intentional grounding. You can't do that in that situation. When your backs are against the wall, you only have one timeout, and there's 30-something seconds left. It's just that that's a bad move. But, I mean, I'd say primarily it's it's like 95, 95% coaching. I thought it was it was brutal. Ninety five percent. That's wow. That's like a huge onus on coaching. I'm curious. So I, I'm going to go a third, a third, and a third. I'm going to go a okay. third of it. We'll go just organizationally from a holistic perspective. Bears have been bad forever, and we know that. And they don't do things well. They don't do things right. We're incrementally better than we were last year in the front office, but we still hired a GM and then a coach. 
by committee. And then we hired a president. I mean, I just take a page out of Sheldon, you know, Patrick Sheldon's book, like who does it that way? We do it that way. It's very business. Very, very, um, you know, so there's still that top down issue. A dead fish stinks from the top down. And, you know, it's, we can't hear what you're saying because your actions speak so loudly, Bears. You know, it doesn't really matter what you say to us. Uh, you keep losing games. So a third, I would say organizationally. I think a third would go, go on, the, on the coaching staff for sure. If you've got 10 penalties for 91 yards and you've created absolutely no turnovers in any given game, uh, it, 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 I'm going to go a third to the players. And it, But I would say if your players aren't executing, then clearly – some of that responsibility goes on the coaching staff. If you're not creating those turnovers, if your players aren't executing their alignments and assignment on the field, then there's overlap there. That's a shared responsibility. And then I think a third would go on the players without question. I think if we went back and we looked at, you know, the all 22 from the end zone and from the sidelines, we're going to see plenty of instances in which players just aren't executing. I agree with you on that fourth down play, like pretty much on everything that you said, Brendan, the only thing that's kind of wild about it, and I'm not, I mean, I think Wright's playing really, really well, but Wright, for some reason, blocked out on a tight end and let the yeah. linebacker run free to, to Herbert. And he admitted it afterwards. He said, I, I didn't block the right dude. And, and he didn't. And I don't blame Fluce for running it there. I wouldn't have run out of shotgun, but we were running the field, like running the ball down the field, like with great momentum. So Herbert was pounding the rock, man, big time. It was. Like, that's how you'd want to see a fourth quarter drive go kill the clock score with no time on the clock, mm-hmm. pretty much everything was going pretty well. I mean, you, you take the momentum away, everything about the, the timeout and then the no kick was, was bad. And then a call of a fourth and one with a shotgun handoff. Don't like any of that. However, <laughs> if Wright makes his block, it's a first down and we probably win the game. Now that's again, I am not fully yeah. blaming this on Wright. I am not. I haven't seen the rest of the film. I don't know how he played. There's plenty of other players that made mistakes, but I guess I'm just using that as an example in terms of execution. You're not winning games, obviously, if, in certain instances, if your players aren't executing, whether it's a block, whether it's a, a pull, whether it's a trap, whether you're they're not getting off of, uh, of blocks, you know, whatever the case may be, if we're execute better, we're going to win more games. You know what, Jack, real quickly, I will say you're right. And I definitely was a little out of my skis on that. It players do deserve more blame. You're right. I, it's yeah. So I, I'm taking mine down. I still think coaching's primarily it, but you make good points. Dan, what about you? 100% Eberflus. <laughs> okay, then <laughs> there it is. Let's go. <laughs> and 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 I get what you're saying, Jack. I get what you're saying, Brendan. And there are going to be people that disagree with me, and they're going to say, hey. Justin threw an interception. He can't do that. He intentionally grounded. He can't do that. I ask those people that say that, that say he did this, he did that. Did the coaching staff and Matt Eberflus in particular put him in a position to win and be successful? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. When you when you when you have the ability to go up thirty one to twenty eight, you kick the field goal and get off the field, right? When, when you have a 28-7 to seven lead, your team has put you in position to win, right? They were in position to win the game. All they needed to do was get a couple of stops. There were on, on the last offensive drive that the Broncos had, there were three third-down conversions. Third down is get the hell off the field down. Stop them, get off the field. Third and 11, you can't give up a third and 11 and give a first down up. 
get off the field. If you get off the field, the game is totally over. It's over. They don't score that touchdown, and it's still 28-14 to 14 at that time. So defensively, he's calling plays. Defensively, he didn't have his guys ready to play. And that's 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 what I'm saying Eberflus did. Then when you put your guys in a position and and you know the approval goes through you. During let me tell you how this works. During the during the week, you practice plays. You have a select few plays that are bread and butter. This is my best play. I'm gonna pull this out when I need it. It ain't no shotgun run. That's not that's not what you run on fourth down. A shotgun and you run it up the middle with your running back. That's not that's not that's not your bread and that's not your best. That can't be your best play. It can't be. You didn't practice that during the week. So you got away from what you practiced and you did something that was working during the game. True enough, it was working during the game, but you you decided to go with that instead of going with what you focused on and what your you what should be your number your, your top five plays. Pick one of those. And run it and get the and get the first down if you're gonna go for it. To waste the timeout, to act like you're gonna go for it, all of that stuff, the theatrics that was involved, that's all on coaching, man. All of it's on coaching. And to me, the job of the coach is to put guys in a position to win, succeed, be successful. Your guys were there, they were at the finish line, and you stopped them, you prevented them from finishing that game. Now the reason I say, you know, and you can you can blame Justin. You can say, hey, you know, he, he threw an interception, and that's fine. But once again, you put him in a bad spot. You put him in that situation. And that's the Very problem point. I have. You know what I mean? True enough, you know, he, he got the fumble. Do I blame him for that? I mean, the guy's bearing down right in his chest as soon as he catches the ball. You know, it is what it is. That's going to happen in football. You know what I mean? The guy made a decent play. Sometimes we can give credit to the defense that makes a decent play on the kid. You know what I mean? Um, Justin's got to protect the ball better. We all know that. You know what I mean? He can't make certain plays. But Eberflus earned whatever fate is his. And I believe that he's on the verge of being fired. That's just my – I think he should – I think he should be fired now off of this game. I, I wish. I think he should be fired. The only thing, that, I mean, like the only, literally, I think the only reason you don't do it is because you have a Thursday game. I well, think you know, after, you know, like, you know, because it's such a short week, how are you going to get your team? It's granted, not even not, that. It's even even after that, they're not going to fire him during the season. Number one, because who do you elevate? <laughs> you well, don't have yeah. a defensive coordinator. He's calling defensive plays. And then do you elevate Luke Getzey, who's clearly on the hot seat because he's not producing the way he should be. So you have nobody to elevate. You have no interim. So we got to ride this stupid thing out. So everybody, you know, that's what I think. We should fire him. But let's just be real, people. You know what I mean? We can beg for them to fire him, but it's not going to happen. Not at this point in time because it just the, – the, the, the logistics of it right now just don't work. I will say one thing that is less tangible that also I think leads to – proper blame of the the coaching staff is just that the the overall vibe at the end of the game is pucker factor you know like that same swagger and confidence that you saw in the first half and some of the third quarter you just start to see it kind of seep away because all of a sudden now you're playing not to lose 
and all of a sudden you're seeing more dump offs and some of the some of the other bad Getsy play calls mm-hmm. and some of the other bad decisions that have happened throughout the course of the rest of this season. And then you could just feel it slipping away and, and there's nobody there. It doesn't seem like from a coaching perspective or a player's perspective, that's just grabbing someone by the, by the collar and saying, we're going to win this flipping game. You know what I mean? And just having that like what level of, of go for the juggler win. And of course that's probably because they've just lost game after game after game. But that's again, to your point, that's where your head coach comes in for sure. Uh, well, I- and, and some player who's taken that leadership mm-hmm. spot, but it's taking out of field's hands too. I mean, that, that, I, that fourth and one call, you've got the most dynamic quarterback that you've ever had. Give him a, give him the run pass option. Like give, give him a quick read. And if it's not there, then take off with it. Fourth and one. Like, I don't understand why, why that's such a difficult concept. Uh, you know, you have, you have Denver's defense, which, which is brutal. Now, here's the thing. All credit to Justin Fields. He balled out, right? At first, I'm like, it's just Denver's defense. And then as the game went on, it was like, I don't care that it's Denver's defense. He looks decisive when he throws the ball. His playmakers are making plays really, really well. You know, setting 16 for 16, like, even if it's a bad defense, those numbers are incredible. Justin Fields was playing well. But then after the fumble, you're right. They're taking it out of his hands. And the thing that really stuck with me is we started watching some of those bad traits that we've seen this season where he's holding the ball way, way too long. You know what I'm talking about? Dan, you and I talked about that when he was drafted, right? That that he holds the ball sometimes too long. And it, it's just it, it's the guys are not there. It possibly scheme, which we've seen in the JT O'Sullivan uh, things time and time again, guys running the same route that are right next to each other right it's it's just it's maddening and i just don't get it right and now i do think i put a little bit of this on justin fields that was you know that interception i don't know who that was supposed to go to i don't know i've read some things that people are saying i think Komet runs the wrong route that's absolutely a possibility right there are guys in his face as he's trying to make that it's a tough throw regardless but it and it sucks to have those two two uh turnovers late in the game. But I also think Dan makes an excellent point, which is he never should have been in that position in the first place. Right. I, I said it from the start. I didn't like Matt Eberflus as a head coach, right? You guys, I don't, I'm not the pulling receipts dude, but I'm pulling receipts. I hated Eberflus the hire, right? Jack, you almost convinced me of it last year that this guy is a, a good teacher, but this defense has regressed with so much more talent on it. And honestly, there were a couple drives that I thought they did a really good job because Denver's offense isn't nearly half as bad as their defense is. But man, guys, this just it just hurts. This game hurts. That one. You know, uh, what, what tells you that their defense was bad, though? I'm, I'm just well, their defense. Look at look at Russell Wilson's numbers in the first first half, right? Although they only had seven points, he was still twelve of thirteen for eighty some yards. He was still doing what he wanted to do on the football field as far as throwing the ball, right? They weren't manufacturing points at that time, but mm-hmm. if you let a team walk up and down the field, sort of, and kind of complete passes like that, sooner or later they will start scoring, and that's what happened in the second half. Yeah, and I, I was going to say the best um, – I think it was the second quarter. Maybe it was the first. But when they pinned the – when they pinned Denver at like the five-yard line, the defense was swarming. They That was the best series I've seen them play. And the offense responded in kind. Like, you know, you got to feed off each other. It's true. When the defense actually gets like third, you know, three and outs – the offense comes in like, all right, we're cooking now. Like, we're, we're feeling good. We're not – we're not having our – 
our uh, backs up against the wall now because we're playing with some confidence. And that in turn goes to, you know, the other side of the field. And that's how you build off one another. So you're right. Like there was there, there was some good, but then you just reverted back to your old habits. It, it almost felt like for, I'd say, Getze and Fields in particular, and I'll say the defense too, but I'm, you know, going to switch gears a little they were sort of operating like in this, like just upper level, like we've never seen before, just with the play calls and with the execution and just how good everything like looked and just didn't look like a traditional bears offense that we'd seen the last few years. And then as soon as that fumble hit, I don't know whether, again, I don't know whether it was a confidence issue from the coaches or fields, but I saw fields kind of like he was slow to get up and I don't think he was hurt. It looked like he's like, man, I just, it almost looked like he had that. I just cost us, points man from that and it that next series like the coaches then said yeah and and again it's just what it looked like it's almost like the coaches said yeah you cost us points let's make sure we don't have that again and we're going to do things our own way and just get zapped out of that dream and then go back to what the bears just normally run it was the weirdest thing and I, i just can't understand it and um i'll just one last thing you know we've talked about it ad nauseum the you know you're talking about Dan like the perfect play to run off that uh, fourth down. If only the Bears had this uh, really nice fullback that just seemingly made things happen when I don't know short yardage situations were occurred and running backs just almost had like a free lane. Damn, I don't know. Is there a guy like that on the Bears have? I don't. I don't. Do you guys know? I, I don't know. Like really, Kari freaking Kari glass game. game maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like maybe just put the damn fullback in on a short yardage situation. If you're not going to try the tush push or whatever, like that's, that's a guaranteed man. I mean, blasting game is effective at what he does. We've seen it all season long. We saw it last year. I don't understand it. So, but that's, we've, we've talked maybe, about it. Maybe, uh, maybe Philadelphia has a copyright on that, that, that play or something. Cause I don't see why you don't put Cole commit. <laughs> I'm saying, I mean, just put Cole commit back there. Right. And, and Roshan Johnson and have them guys, just push Justin Fields and it's first down. Why 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 play with it? Why why, why joke around with it? with it? You know, it is what it is. And and I get I get your point, Brendan. I'm just gonna throw this out there. Just you know, playing devil's advocate here. I'm not necessarily saying I disagree that that you know you should be less aggressive in your play calling, but with six minutes on the board and a tie game, you don't want to score extremely fast, right? You want to salt away some of the clock. And they were doing a job of that because they had ticked it all the way down yeah. to what two minutes or something like like right below two minutes or whatever it was. No, not quite two minutes, something like that. They were salting it away though, and they were moving the ball down the field with with the run. So I understand why they were doing it. I don't think it was necessarily hey, let's take it out of his hands because he's about to throw this game away. I don't think that was the case. Maybe it was, but I hope not. I think they were just trying to salt a little bit of that clock so that you don't leave a ton of time for Russell Wilson. Yeah, that's he was looking it, at that point in time. Right, it's the four minute offense, and I yeah. think like I, I understand most of it. It just it even the passing plays. It just seemed like it, they were just screens and everything. And I I just wanted like a little bit more. It just it felt weird. That's all. But I, I yeah, a four minute offense. You are trying to chew the clock. You're trying to get down there and at least get points. But you can't do that, I guess. I mean, I watched the Chargers throw a I think a thirty or forty yard sideline pass. Down, down the left hash when they were up, what, six points mm-hmm. with like two minutes to go, and they and they were on their own 20. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like they're, they're not playing to not lose. Like they know they need to move the ball up the field. 
and they know they need to make sure that the opposing team doesn't have the option to score late in the game. You, you got still Khalil have Mack. to move the ball. You have you to got actually- Khalil Mack that has six sacks in that game, right? What's that? Yeah, Khalil <laughs> Mack that has six sacks yeah, in that game, too. We ain't know. got that. We got zero. We had a sack. We, got one. we had one. We got one. We got one, which is we got good. one between us. <laughs> All right. So, boys, this is something we haven't done in a little while, but we've got some really, really good ones. We've got some listener questions, and we want to throw those out there. If you happen to be in the chat right now and you want to throw us a question that you want us to chat about, please go ahead and do so in the comments, and we will get uh, after your question as quickly as we can. Uh, really, really love this question from our guy, TJ Brooks. If Flus and Getsy, and Dan, this is something you referred to, so I would be curious to hear your, your boys' answer. If Flus and Getsy get fired, rightfully so, who are your choices to take over the team on the interim? So, Dan, I know you kind of alluded to it, so why don't you take this one first? From here, we'll go Jack, Brennan, and I will finish it up. I'll be honest with you. I don't have any choices, bro. I wish I did. I don't. You can't elevate Getsy. You can't get, elevate Janako. I mean, what do you do? They can call me. 678 <laughs> <laughs> 3245 Hit me up. I'll, I'll, come, I'll come try. <laughs> okay yeah, so dan has himself got it dan has dan in the uh interim head coaching pool dan i bet you could do oh and four i bet you could do that as a head coach <laughs> yeah. i mean you know I, I promise you we won't get any worse right <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to look in our thread. Who are the who are the people that um, shells had a list? It wasn't a bad list. Do you guys do you guys remember? If you got ideas, I'll, I'll go. I'll kick it to UBS, and then we can come back because I'm going to find this. I've got one idea. I mean, it's not a great one, but it's just sort of like the arguably the best of the bunch, and that's special teams coordinator Richard Hightower. I, I mean, can see that. Yeah, Hightower. He's okay. I think he's really. Special teams usually aren't like a total issue, except unless you're Bayless Jones. But you know what? They made the decisions to kind of take him out. That was an experiment that didn't last too long. For the most part, I, it, look, it, it's not the best. And I can't really like make a great argument for him. But I think that out of kind of the candidates that would be remaining, he would have the best like resume. I think he's probably the best leader. I think in special teams, maybe it's just sort of the nature of the business has the least amount of mistakes that happen. Um, I like how they've gotten a, gotten Cairo Santos going again. I think Trenton Gills having to see like decent season as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think Hightower would probably unfortunately be the best. Yeah. I, I, I got no names unless you bring somebody from the outside. That's kind of what Mike Gus is saying. Put someone like, uh, like peanut Tillman in there to oh, control no. the booze and appeal to the fan base while you run a full six month campaign to pull hardball, uh, hardball away. Um, Hell yeah. you know, I, yeah, I don't, man, I don't know who, the, I, I don't claim to be smart enough to know who the right coach is, um, or is not, but I don't think whoever it is, is on, on this staff. Um, it just, but, Today, like you can't get any worse. I mean, I, I I asked this question at the beginning of the thing. I think we are the worst team in the NFL, not talent wise, but as Dan said, right? Coaching staff wise, they, they this team is so markedly worse than last year. And last year they won three games. Like, are they going to win any games this season? <laughs> I mean, I have a question for you guys on this topic. Assuming Matt, let's say Matt Eberflus does get fired, a lot of people want to see Lovey Smith come back. What do you think? 
That was I love one of the ones on Shell's list, I believe. Uh, I, him as the D coordinator, I believe, is what he suggested. Okay. I I like Lovey. I like Lovey a lot, but I think Lovey's time is coming gone. Like, it, it was a mistake to fire him. I think at the time, but I think his time is coming gone. And tell uh, tell me if any of these guys are uh, alive or dead. Um, uh, so could we get um, Marty Schottenheimer? Uh, Curly Lambo, like Mike Shanahan, uh, Marv Levy, uh, still alive, maybe. Uh, Joe Gibbs, is he? uh, Who do you have in the Deadpool here? Uh, Okay, Okay, let's just maybe maybe go to the. Should we go to the go to the next question? Should we should we go to the next question, guys? I wouldn't I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind Lovey Smith, but no. like like you said, I mean it's just he's been so far removed from you know the professional ranks of, of coaching and you know I don't even want to talk about the fiasco that was in Houston. Not his fault though. Not his fault, but it just we knew what that was. It wasn't a real hire. He didn't really get an opportunity there. Yeah. I, you know. It would be nice, but how often does that work where a guy comes back to the team that fired him and it actually goes well? I mean, Art Shell did it, you know. It really didn't go that well. Who else did it, you know? I think Joe – well, I don't know if – speaking of Gibbs, I know Gibbs came back. I don't know yeah, if he Gibbs was did. fired. Um, but, no, to your point, Dan, like – and I, I'm saying no. I think Lovey he's probably not going to be worse – but at the same time, like we do have those good memories for the most part. We have that like positive, you know, that lovey era. Don't taint it. They don't don't bring him. What's that? I said his players love him too. They, they do. They. And, and I just don't want. Pros. Right. I just don't want it to come back around ten years later and be like, "Hey, lovey's back," and then everything's still kind of shitty. And it's like we didn't need this. Like just just kind of let it be. That, yeah, I let him let him happen. be the coach that took us to the Super Bowl in 06 and just okay. yeah, exactly. You know, there is something to be said though, sorry, Ryan, about like okay. about time and age and wisdom and experience. You know, you think about like the stupid shit that you might do when you're younger and you're su- aggressive and you, you know, you go in like wild horses, and then like the perspective that you get after having more and more experience, and he would clearly have that. Now, whether he lacked in some of the other you know, types of ways that would make him currently relevant. I don't know, but you know, I, I think like the more you do something or the second time around and you have a different perspective on it is super helpful. You know, I don't know. Could be right. Let, let's go to this next question. This is one from uh, one of our listeners and a good friend of mine. That's uh, John uh, pill who 21 did having Claypool out of the lineup dramatically change the offense today. Uh, boys, if it's okay, I want to take this one first. I, I don't know. This might be a very unpopular opinion, but I think Chase Claypool was right. He wasn't being used correctly by this coaching staff. I think this coaching staff didn't know how to use him. They tried to make him a blocking wide receiver, and that's not his area of strength. But you can't necessarily say it. I do get the sense, though, that he was like, I want out of this team. I don't care if I get bad press because of it. I I get cut, get traded, whatever it's going to take to get me out of this team, get this out of this locker room. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that part is real good. I think it was more the success was due to Denver's really, really bad defense, but that's just kind of where I'm at. What about you boys? So I'll say, I think that it did. Um, I still think Denver's awful defense kind of happened, you know, worked its way into, but Chase Claypool was the second most targeted player on this team heading into uh, Sunday's game. 
one behind DJ Moore. DJ Moore had one more target than Chase Claypool, and that showed that Justin Fields, right or wrong, was trying to get Claypool involved. And for the most part, there were some good moments, but at the same time, it wasn't really effective. So those targets then went back to DJ Moore and then also Darnell Mooney, who finally had like, you know, he was reinvigorated into the offense too. So with Fields not having to try and force him that ball, things worked out a bit better because Darnell Mooney and DJ Moore had so much better games. I mean, EQ even had that one target and that awesome, you know, it's a bobble catch, but still good catch on the sideline. Like he did his job. Great catch. And, And it just felt like, there was a lot more cohesiveness there. And yes, things when EQ was on the field and he was blocking, that was a much better effort from him as well. So yes, in a sense, I I think it did impact it because Fields wasn't trying to get him with the ball. And I I don't know whether that was part of the game plan, whether Fields was trying to keep him happy because we know Chase Claypool, he's an emotional guy and he Fields has talked about it. He's had those emotional outbursts. So maybe he's just trying to keep, you know, his guy happy, but um, yeah, I, I think it was very, very noticeable and um what a weird situation just not like the the inactiveness but the fact that there's conflicting reports on whether he was told to stay home or chose to stay home like once again this team they can't even get their pr right that's how bad this is it's it's just such a joke yeah i would say on claypool and maybe just a little bit of devil's advocate he had a great camp uh he caught a touchdown last week um, you know, he said, they're not, you know, they're not using me. Right. I mean, we heard, you know, the conversation on the field with DJ Moore, um, and I don't remember who he was talking to. And they're like, You're, they're not using you. Right. Let's face it. The bears weren't using anybody. Right. <laughs> I mean, like they still, you know, were a dumpster fire and offense up until this, this week, you know, like in terms of scheme and rhythm and, and ball distribution and play call and, and flow and execute, all of it. Who's being used right? Who's this is the point I tried to make, I guess, with David Montgomery when I got, you know, just absolutely eviscerated on X was, you know, <laughs> that, that he's a better player in Detroit because Detroit's a better offense. <laughs> I mean, it's as simple as that. And Komet would be better with the Chargers and Mooney would be better with, I don't know, maybe even the Vikings, uh, you know, up until this week where there looked to be some offensive proficiency. But uh, I think it's no accident that, you know, Denver is terrible. There's no accident that the running game was better. I mean, ESP is such a good freaking blocker. And I, there's something about just the grittiness of a guy like that that Bears fans appreciate, that I appreciate. Like you guys said, the catch was awesome. Um, I'll take that. I'll, I'll absolutely take it. It did seem to be a bit of a momentum change for the Bears. And, and real quickly, he knows his assignments. Yes. You know how many times Claypool and Mooney were like back and forth, like, what do you do? Who do I block? Like, ESP knows his stuff. Yep, like, that, that's huge. He's a pro. That sideline catch it. Go ahead, Dan, please. No, I said ESQ, I mean, he's he's been in this system for a while and things like that. He's he's familiar with, you know, Getsy and all of that, right? So let's be honest, though. Let's be honest. Chase Claypool is a different receiver than he is, you know, like when Amy is St. Brown. When you're not that great offensively, like you're not going to go out there and get 60 to 80 balls and – put up 800 to 900 yards, 1,000 yards, you better be good at blocking. Otherwise, you won't be in the NFL long. So credit to him for working on his craft and being useful in another area at the wide wide receiver position, right? So Chase Claypool is a different type of receiver. He's not going to work on his blocking as much. So when people act like, hey, he should be a better blocker, this, that, and the third, 
you know, come on, man. Like, like I think that's, I think we're we're picking at low hanging fruit when people are so fixated on that. You got to understand where where guys fall in the totem pole. Justin Fields said the same thing. DJ Morris said it. There's other players that have said, hey, we're not being used correctly. This is not going well. The reason Chase Claypool is sitting out is because he's lower on that totem pole. You can't say that. Justin Fields can. DJ Moore, we accept it. We'll we'll handle it behind closed doors, whatever. But you can't say that. Stay home. Now, the problem that I have with the whole situation is that Matt Eberflus, once again, is a he lied. Let's be honest. He lied to the he lied, right? We can say PR, we can say whatever we want to say, but at the end of the day, he said that he 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 stayed home and he made it seem like it was Chase Claypool who just decided not to be there instead of letting it be known that hey, I told him or we told him we made a decision for him to stay away from the team today, right? And then this report comes out now. Could it be false? Could it be wrong? I don't know. Maybe it could. Maybe it couldn't. I don't know. But at the end of the day, if you're lying about that and you're not accepting the responsibility that you have and you're kind of side-skirted, and look, Chase Claypool has been ripped apart by fans and media alike, right? So at this point in time, yeah, you kind of scapegoated him, right? And you 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 pushed away some of the attention. He was already getting ripped anyway. You don't have to do that. As a coach, I expect better from a coach. I expect more accountability from a coach. You know what I'm saying? So that's where I, that's where my frustration lies with Ibraflus in this situation. If you told the man to stay home, I told him to stay home. I would respect that from my head coach. But I don't respect you throwing this kid under the bus, throwing him under the bus and acting like it's his fault or he decided not to show up or – you know, kind of, you know, putting it murky out there with, with him. He's already dealing with a lot of that anyway. And what I felt like, I feel like Iberflus was like, hey, he's already dealing with it. We can kind of pile on him. The fans will take hold of it, whatever. And, you know, it'll, it'll you know, that'll be that. And I just, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that at all. Boys, I want to hit up our next question. And this one is from our guy, Ant uh, Cork. County Bears fan. Why have Edmonds and Edwards become such poor football players? Uh, I, I All I will say is I don't think they're playing up to their contract. Um, there was one spot where Edmonds, I mean, he had a guy dead to rights and his receiver number 17, Brendan, maybe you can help me out. Uh, he, he had an opportunity to make a play and he just, he got spun around and it was just, it was, it was painful to watch. I can't remember who that 17 is. I'm usually good. Do you guys know the play that I'm talking about? Or am I, am I absolutely? No, I remember one. He just got blown past. Like he, he mm-hmm. just sort of froze. It looked like, and didn't know what he was doing. Um, look, I, I don't, I'm going to take a guess here. I mean, and I think I'm honestly a little bit more, I, I called out TJ Edwards last week, even though he had like, I'll just say this. A lot of people like to look at the total tackles. Like, look, they're producing. They're, they're getting a bunch of tackles. That's great. Like, you got to look at it in context. Like if they're getting like eight yards already, like, is that really impactful? I don't think so. And especially for somebody like Edmonds, I'm very disappointed in because we were kind of sold that like this guy was, he was going to be the Brian Urlacher of this defense. And we know there's no replacing and, you know, duplicating what Brian Urlacher was as a player, but Edmonds kind of had those same measurables and played the same way that that sideline is sideline guy. And he's going to be able to like close in on receivers and tight ends to make plays. I just have not seen that whatsoever. He is just, he looks lost in the past game. 
he he's not crashing you know where those guys are going to be at I, I don't i'm not seeing enough of it i think part of it also is the fact that the scheme is very vanilla there's very few blitzing there's very and also the um the front four like you got to have a solid good front four i mean tj edwards shined in philadelphia because that you know he's playing in front of guys like fletcher cox and you know last year javon hargrave you know, like you're anybody's going to look good there when you're you move over to Justin Jones and Andrew Billings, you know, for the moments they've had. I mean, that's not even close. So you're definitely already behind the eight ball there and you're having to kind of pick, you know, pick up the pieces. But um, yeah, it's it, it but it also kind of goes to show I, I was excited about those signings, but I was also worried about the lack of investment in the defensive line. And it's like when you're going to pay all these linebackers who's going to be in front of them to kind of like, you know, make sure that they're eating up blockers and making sure that there's opportunities for them to make those impactful plays because that's not happening at all. And so now they're just kind of like left in space wondering what to do. So um, yeah, I think that's part of it. I'm not, I'm not like a linebacker expert, but that's just kind of how I see it. Well, I mean, and and to your first point, they had, they led the team in tackles, I believe eight and eight, and they usually lead the team in tackles. Yeah, I'm not sure that shows the full picture. I agree with you on that, Brendan. But what I do agree with you about is you want to play this defense well, then you need a three technique, bruh. Like you, you have to have a three technique that is a world beater three technique inside, so that as you just said, Brendan, your linebackers can run free and make tackles. There was also, if you play the tape back, there was some concern, a little bit of concern about Edmonds and his ability to. Um, to attack the line of scrimmage and meet running backs at the LOS to make tackles. Great lateral move can run with just about any, you know, tight end and run uh, running back, which is a huge benefit of having him on the team. He's kind of a freak of nature in that regard. Um, But I do, I mean, again, I think I've talked about this before. The thing that is so cool about defense, I think even more so than offense is that it's so, it's so predicated on every single guy doing his specific job mm-hmm. on offense. If you know, you're running a sweep left, you know, and the end on the right side takes the playoff, you could probably still run that sweep for a touchdown. But if, if you know, if an outside linebacker doesn't bracket the way he's supposed to, to spill, you know, to the pursuing Mike linebacker, then that plays shit and you're going to get gashed. And so, you know, I think it is a holistic thing, but it, it really does influence his defense. It starts with the three tech. Hmm. Very, very important. I, I, you boys definitely um, touched on the defensive line. The defensive line is is where it is, man. You know, guys are going to be able to make tackles. They're going to be out there. They're going to make tackles. That's what this defense does, you know. And for the most part, you look at every single team in the NFL, the leaders in tackles are always going to be your linebackers. If your safeties are leading you in tackles, you're a terrible defense. Terrible defense. And, and, and – because that's your last line of defense. That means everybody's they've gotten past everybody and they're attacking your last line of defense, right? So your your linebackers are pretty much going to get those those tackles. Your big men up front need to gobble up those blocks and kind of you know give you free range to move around and do what you need to do. Um, I think it's just a it's just a matter of time. I don't think I'm I'm out on those guys early. I think they're still really good players. Um, and once you have a front four that's decent, that that can apply pressure, that can, you know, make people think, you know, then then you'll you'll see those guys really 
make even more plays, splash plays, you might say, things like that. Same thing with the secondary. Secondary can be better, but as of right now, when you're not getting pressure, man, you you can't hold up. You know, you can't you can't run around chasing people for eight seconds. It's just not. It ain't gonna work. <laughs> it's not gonna work. Well, and the secondary has two healthy bodies right now. Like it's crazy. Yeah. So like that's 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 a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. I really like this question, and it's one that I've been thinking about. So Bruce Hammond wants to know where do you guys see uh, the Bears having a chance to win a game the remainder of the season? Are they really bad enough to win no games? Um, (laughs) What I'm also going to do here, I'm going to scroll at the the bottom, uh, the remaining games left. Uh, the Raiders are a terrible football team. Uh, they maybe have a chance there. The Panthers are a terrible football team. They've got a chance there. Vikings, not great. They barely won against the Panthers today. Um, Cardinals playing way better than than we kind of expected them to play, especially with their coach being who he is. I don't know, boys. What do you think? I mean, the Raiders game jumps out first. Uh, that's that's huge because I, I tweeted it earlier. Josh McDaniels might be a worse coach than Matty Rafflus. I mean, he is bad. Like did last week. Be, we, sorry, Brandon. Did you see them score twice at the end of the game? Today? Yes, or, that was why I said how it. How did you not call for a review when <laughs> uh, – what's his name? Devontae Adams caught a touchdown. Yes, and, and and he just called the play right away without even like throwing. It was it was a terrible sequence of plays. Terrible. They got lucky that they got. I mean, yes. you know th- that it was. Yes, it was on the goal line, but you oh didn't need to do that. And like, no. and then last week, the the eight point thing where he refused to like, you know, he kicked a field goal with twenty yards because he's like, well, we need two possessions. I'm like, no, you could, you could tie the damn game, and so that is really going to be. Assuming both guys make it to that point, oh my God, that is going to be just the worst coached football game I think in the history of the NFL. Our good friend Joe Fusco is uh, is a Raiders fan. We'll maybe have to chat with him when that game comes around. Uh, saying simply, Josh McDaniels is an idiot, as well as Mark Davis is an idiot. We 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 are surrounded by idiots. We we got you, buddy. Um, he has, so he has bailed on the Raiders and yeah. become, I believe a new orleans saints fan so (laughs) boys if it's okay what i want to do is just for for sake of time there's one more listener question we get to plus we got to get to outhouse and penthouse is it okay if we move on to the next question here boys go for it all right so uh our good friend ozzy uh a bear down under if you're jf1's agent what advice are you giving to him at this point what are you thinking let's go dan jack brennan and i'll finish it up I mean, if I'm if I'm giving him advice, I'm just saying, hey, play your game, kid, man. You know what I mean? Let the chips fall where they may. Control what you can control. You know, and 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 it is what it is. You know, at this point in time, you're 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 in a contract. It is what it is. Um, they hold the rights to you for next year and possibly year five if they exercise that option. Um, but but my advice to be would be to him. Try to maintain a, a level of not being too up or not being too down, which Justin Fields has prided himself on anyway, right? Um, and just say, hey, you know, you you control what you can control. You let your game speak for itself, and and that's that. You know what I mean? People will see the smart people in the football rooms will see, you know, if it doesn't work out in Chicago, somebody will take a chance because 
he's got talent clearly. I think I think he's 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 got everything that's needed to be a good NFL quarterback or a really good NFL quarterback. I'm talking about top five, you know, in the NFL. So, you know, just just do what you need to do. You know, bear down, keep your keep your keep your senses about yourself, and and try not to let it get to you or or frustrate you too much. Everybody hates losing, but you get a you get a win or two, and that cures everything. If they won this game, that locker room's happy. Everybody goes home happy today, you know. So just get a win. Try to get one on the board. Right now, it seems in that you know a long shot, but but just try to make it happen. Jack, Brendan, really quick, would you pick up Justin Fields, fifth-year option? Uh, I mean, I would, uh, personally. Uh, and I would also just tell him directly to stay above the fray. I've been in losing locker rooms, both as a player and a coach, and it starts to become uh, very fractured. There's a lot of whisper campaigns. There's a lot of throwing people under the bus. There's a lot of finger-pointing, and I think he will prove himself to be you know, he's a man of integrity. I think we have seen his character. It's it's good. And I think the most the more he can stay above the fray, the more he makes himself, you know, um, he can go anywhere he wants to go, like Dan said. Uh, but I think if he lowers himself to some of that cattiness that's very easy to lower yourself to in those situations, then that really um, kind of makes his, uh, his stock go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll just say... Are you asking about the fifth year option or just the advice? Either, either one of them, because okay. we got to move on. So I'll just say the ad- out there. I'll, I'll just say the advice because um, I don't have to make an, a decision on his fifth year option yet. Um, the advice: control what you can control. I mean, look, like there's going to be a lot of outside noise. The more you lose, the more that people are going to be clamoring for Caleb Williams with the number one overall pick if that continues to be the thing. Because look, they've got number one and number two right now. As of now, that could definitely change, but that outside noise is coming, but control you can control. And just if you can harness what you did for the majority of this game and just, you know, unleash it for the rest of the season, then the Bears will not be in position to draft Caleb Williams because that is a damn good quarterback, what we saw for the most most of this game. And there is the talent there. You just have to harness it and unleash it the rest of the year. Yeah, agreed. All right, boys. It's time. The outhouse and the penthouse. (laughs) The outhouse and the penthouse is brought to you by our guy, Jeff Cadwallader. He's been working hard since the beginning of the year to expand his real estate services to now include commercial properties. And he's been killing it. It doesn't matter if you're a business owner, a homeowner, or an investor. If you're looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial or residential properties, Jeff is your guy. Give him a call. Give him a text. Jeff Cadwallader with SVN Landmark today at 630-254-4734 or visit GenevaJeff.com. If you do talk to Jeff, let him know that the guys at the Bear Down Chicago podcast say hello. All right, boys, 30 seconds. You got 30 seconds or less for your first way to go to the penthouse, then we'll go to the outhouse. So for penthouse, sorry, let me redo that. For the outhouse, let's go Brendan, Jack, Dan. Thank you for giving me the layup. Matt Eberflus, outhouse, for a number of reasons. We talked about him already, but just the fact that you let one of the biggest leads in Bears history go under your watch, and then you go have the gumption to go to the podium, talk about the positives, and then can't even get the stuff right about Chase Claypool. You don't have control of this team. Get in the damn toilet and don't come back to Hallis Hall. 
<laughs> Love it. That's some passion. Gentlemen, I'm looking at the box score. I don't see Yannick's name. Am I is there am I missing? Like honestly. No, I, that was I, that was gonna be mine if I didn't get first. Am I pick. missing something? I'm looking at the box score. He's not even listed, guys. For a sack or a half a sack or a pass deflection or a tackle or a, a solo or an assist. I can't even I just noticed that. I can't even freaking believe that. Obviously, outhouse. Holy cow. Man, you know, I got to pile on, man. I got to go. I got to go Matt Eberflus. I want to go somewhere else because Brendan went and Matt Eberflus first, but I cannot go anywhere else. I gave him 100% <laughs> of the blame for God's sake. Um, I mean, you know, he's just – he's today was a very bad day coaching from a coaching standpoint. And then to have these rumors – and stories coming out that possibly you basically lied and 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 actually kept the guy at home told him not to show up that's that's another that's another slap in the face and this is stuff that other teams see other players see this right other players in that locker room see this you lose respect for your coach when he doesn't hold himself accountable now you can call it whatever you want to, but when you lie and you go out there and you lie on a player, that's a no-no, man. Because you hold all the cards. You you can you can damage that kid's career. You can damage everything everything about him, right? You can do whatever you want to with him while he's under your watch. There's no need to lie on him on a, on a player. They have enough that that they have to deal with. So other players will see that, and other players will lose a lot of respect for that. Mine goes to the Chicago Bears third and long defense this whole freaking season. You made Jordan Love look like a really, really good quarterback when the Lions said, hey, maybe if we pressure this guy, maybe he won't be lights out. The Bears made him look like a lights out quarterback. Uh, uh, Russell Wilson, I don't know how many conversions he had on third and long, but it's a lot. Russell Wilson is a very good quarterback, or at least he was a very good quarterback. Uh, you, You just, it's just, every time it's third and long, you just have a feeling that this defense won't make a stop and it's been very, very frustrating. All right, boys, let's flip it right back around. And I'm going to try to be a gracious host because Dan, yes, is usually with the Three Kings of the Midway podcast, but he's joining us tonight here on the Bear Down Chicago podcast. So let's go to the penthouse. Dan, I have a strong feeling I know who you're going to say, uh, but you can go penthouse. So we'll go Dan, Jack, Brendan, and I will finish it up. Penthouse, boys. I'm going to go Justin Fields, and I got to go Cole Komet, too. I'm I'm going to let him stay right below the penthouse because he, he, he did ball now. He did. He stopped on that last play. On that interception, he stopped his route. I don't know why, what he was sitting down for in that situation, but like I said, I'm not going to hold Justin Fields super accountable because they should have never been in that position anyway, but he did kind of sit down on that route. So it's I don't know if it's miscommunication between those two guys or whatever, but Justin Fields, man, you know, to go out there and do what he did under the pressure that he's been under, I don't care if it's against Denver I don't care if, you know, you want to say they're a lackluster defense or whatever. At the end of the day, that's still an NFL squad. That's an NFL defense out there. And if you carve them up, and we gave gave Tua a ton of credit and everybody praised Tua last week for putting up 70 points, you better give Justin Fields the same amount of praise. You better let him him know. Because, I mean, to go 
as long as he did. And and matter of fact, he would have had no incompletion. He would have had what sixteen to sixteen or seventeen to seventeen at one point, if it wasn't for a hail mary at the end of the first half. So that was his one incompletion at that time. So to do what he did on the football field, even though he did have the fumble and the interception, come out there 335 yards, four touchdowns, under pressure, under scrutiny that he's been under, people clamoring for somebody that's in college that's never played a down of football in the NFL, that's that's a hell of a game. So since Dan didn't fully take Cole Komet, I'm going to take Cole Komet along with our missing co-host, Patrick Sheldon, he sent me a text and he was like, Hey Jack, listen, make sure that when the penthouse comes around, you take my favorite player. Like, no, he my didn't. Favorite player. I've been, oh, yeah. He's like, I've been touting Cole Kmet for two or three years now, Jack. You're my proxy. And so I don't want to let Shells down. So let's make sure we get Cole Kmet all the props that he is due. He's targeted nine times. Uh, he caught seven balls for 85 yards. That's a 12.1 average. Two tutties. Let's go. Notre Dame fighting Irish. Cole Komet in Jack Wright's penthouse. And I'm sharing it with Patrick Sheldon. What's what's up? <laughs> so we just need to say repeatedly, Patrick Sheldon, the biggest Cole Komet fan out there. It just he loves. It, put it out there. He does. loves him. Loves him. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, this this one feels pretty easy. Um, I'll, get, I'll give one and I'll give a slight honorable mention to the other. Cause I think they go hand in hand. Uh, DJ Moore, um, just phenomenal, phenomenal performance today. He had just to get the stats, right? Eight catches, 131 yards, one touchdown. That one touchdown was a miraculous catch. Great throw, even better catch. I think he got both feet down. I don't know what the hell Gene Steratore is being a cop for. My God. <laughs> you know? I'm Ryan. I'm not sure you got that right. I that. think he did. You guys know. are cops. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, regardless, DJ, like he came to play, man. He was making those tough catches. He was, you know, Fields had the trust in him. Just such a good game. And you know what? I still think overall, yes, the ending sucked. Yes, I didn't agree with the fourth down call. Or some of maybe the the late calls, but you know what? I thought Luke Getze did a good job this week. I really did. Um, I really want to see more of that. He and Fields, it just felt like they they were connected. Fields was trusting in what he was seeing, and I think part of that goes to the play scheme. So I will give Luke Getze an honorable mention because it was far better than anything we've seen in I'd say in his entire tenure. I'm glad this guy's name wasn't taken because I think he was really good. And I think he's been really good this season when they've actually fed him the ball. That's Khalil Herbert. Guys, 18 attempts, 103 yards, 5.7 yards a carry. I don't know what his carries, his yard per carries is this season, but it has to be over five. The dude has been very, very good. They just didn't feed him the rock. I think it was two weeks ago, not Chiefs, uh, whatever that was two weeks ago. He, he only had like 10 carries, but he was, he was running the ball so, so well. Um, I just, I think Khalil Herbert is really underrated and I'm, and just I'm thank you guys for letting me have that one. Just one other honorable mention for me is Greg Stroman Jr. That one tackle for a loss that he has in like a dart. I want to see more of that dude, especially him being a backups backup uh, DB. I just I thought he played really really well. All right, boys, it's time for anything that we missed. Anything we missed before we get to shout outs and we get out of here. You got order. Uh, uh, let's I go, got, Brendan. I got Brendan, Jack, mm-hmm. Dan. 
God dang it. Hold on. Give me a second. Give me a second. Oh, let's go, Jack. Let's go, Jack, Dan, and Brandon. So I was, we didn't uh, have a pod last week, so I was driving to my semi-surprise 50th birthday party, which was freaking awesome. And uh, I'm listening to, these are just like random nuts. So I'm listening, and Jimmy on the radio, right? And Jimmy Graham scores a touchdown. And then, and then the Ravens score a touchdown. And who, and who has like the touchdown, like springing block? Who has the touchdown springing block? You know, right? Stan Mustafer. No, Stan no, Mustafer. no. Stan Didn't happen. And I was like, my mind was blown. I was like, oh my good, like, good gracious, what in the world is happening right now? That's all. I, I just, I can't get out of my mind that those were like the highlights early on in the 12 o'clock games last week. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. That's that's funny you mentioned that. I'm just going to tag along with that, if you don't mind. Yeah, it's funny. Um, For something that we missed. Sam Mustafer, I don't I don't, I don't, don't believe in PFF all that much. You know what I mean? It is, it, it's useful for some stuff, but they rank him right at the high, you know, at the highest point right now for centers in the NFL. Surprisingly, right? But I will say this. I will say this. When Sam Mustafer was here, I always said Sam Mustafer is valuable for Chicago. Do you know why? He doesn't get injured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's terrible. We, we, yeah. have, we have a ton of guys that are always injured. Sam Mustafer's best ability was his availability, and that was legit. So, you know, I, I've, I've always said that about him. Um you know, he needed to work on his game, no doubt. I'm not saying that he was tough in that regard, but, hey, he was always there. You could count on him and be on the field at least. Yep. All right, I got a few things. Uh, one, I thought the usage of Tyler Scott and somewhat a little bit Bayless Jones was pretty decent. The end arounds actually worked. I thought Tyler Scott was running hard. He, you know, was getting like eight yards a clip at one point. Bayless Jones would have done well. If not for Darnell Wright, I was not thrilled with Darnell Wright's performance. We talked about it a little bit earlier with like the missed block. He also had penalties that kind of pushed them back. Um, just not the greatest game for him, unfortunately. But he's had a good season overall, thankfully. It's just, you know, not the best one. Um, and then I, I was really happy with the uh, the targets, you know, the spread around. There was, what, one, like eight different guys that Fields hit, which I thought was really nice. And then um, – I don't know if Gus is still here, but I want to hear his thoughts. I thought Nate Davis actually played pretty well. I thought the right side, like, you know, with the right guard, now that he kind of was back in the fold, he had a really decent day. So I was really happy to see that. And then finally we showed it. Justin Fields had 132.7 quarterback rating. That is the best as far as unless, you know, I'm I'm wrong with going back to data, but um, that's the best rating that a Bears quarterback has had since – Mitchell Trubisky in 2018. It's been almost five years. And, you know, people want to say, like, well, that sucks. Mitch sucks. First off, yeah, is this Justin's version of the Tampa Bay Trubisky game? People forget Mitch went on a tear after that game. It wasn't until he got hurt that things kind of, like, soured. So maybe this is something that Fields can build on. But um, the fact that it's been five years since we've had a quarterback throw for basically 132 quarterback rating is is rough. Is that his first 300-yard game? Or yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. That's awesome. You know, again, early on in the game, I tweeted something along the lines of, it's just Denver's defense, but but I just, you know, I, I got to make sure that I make this public. Justin, what Justin Fields did today, minus the the the, the interception, is is special. 
just like absolutely special. Yes, Denver's defense is really, really bad, but you don't set the the completion, you know, uh, record, um, you know, 16 straight passes, uh, no matter how bad the, the defense is. And I just, I'm happy for him. Like just mm-hmm. human being to human being, like that dude has been through the ringer. He's been through some really, really tough times. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's been through some of the worst coaching imaginable. Uh, and and uh, I'm just like, I'm just happy for him in, as the human being. Boys, anything else before we get the shout outs? Cause I think it's time to get the shout outs and get out of the here. Last thing, last thing. I said this um, last week on our podcast on Three Kings, and I said, I, you know, at the beginning when, when Justin was when, – when he was drafted, I said, they can't ruin him. He's got it all. He's got the mentality. He's got the heart. He's got the arm. He's got the legs. He's got everything that you need. He can't be ruined. And I went back on my word and I said, man, last week I was like, <laughs> I know I said what I said, but maybe he can be ruined, right? Maybe they are ruining this kid, right? And today puts me back into that place that I was before where, no, he can't be ruined. He he can go out there and play, and he can play at a high level. And he can do it for a long period of time. He just needs the right, you know, confidence around him. He needs to get in a groove. And once he gets in a groove, it's like – it was like I was watching Steph Curry where, you know, he gets on fire and it's like everything he throws up is going in, going in, going in. It was like Justin was out there carving him up like it was nothing, like it was just easy. So I want to see more of that. I hope I hope that, that that we do see more of that. And I can care less about, you know, what, what's going to happen with with certain players. I'm not going to name names yet, but I will soon. Um, but we'll see what happens, man. Hopefully, hopefully they can kind of right the ship and get things moving in a productive way. Dude, it was a fever dream. Like I said, fever dream. He was in the zone decisive all of that you love to see it you just hope that it can it can build on something for the rest of the year yep uh i'll just say this i'll put this not out here dan and i were actually going to come on and have a special episode uh to because dan and i talked the night after justin fields was drafted and during during the podcast tevin jenkins was drafted and some really interesting stuff that dan and i brought up and i had some sound bites but We've gone way too long into this episode. Um, <laughs> so if you get a chance, we used to be the Bear Down Report. We were with the Bear Down Report. It's episode 43. Dan and I, we had some awesome conversations, some things. Dan, exactly what he was talking about. Can they, Are the Bears going to ruin this guy? I think I said specifically, is Matt Maggie going to ruin this guy? Um, but we talked about some of the things that we have seen, some of the things that we haven't seen. If you get a chance, go back and check out that episode, episode 43 of the Bear Down Report. All right, boys, it's time to get to shout outs and get out of here. So let's... Let's do this one more time. Let's go Dan, Jack, Brendan, and I will finish it up. Shout outs, boys. Shout out to you, Ryan, on the new baby. Congratulations, the new addition. Wonderful, you, wonderful news. Your boys can swim. Your boys can swim. Because of that. And it's a, it's, a, it's a great reason not to do the podcast, right? So <laughs> right. I'm, I'm loving it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for your wife, your family, you know, big sister now. You know, it's just yes, – sir. So many different dynamics there. So shout out to you guys. Shout out to the family, man. I love you guys, and 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 I'm I'm so happy for you. Damn, shout out to my three kings of the midway guys too, Devore Nesby and Ill Will or Roy Williamson. Uh, shout out to those guys. And those are my guys. And of course, Brendan, Jack, and and we miss the other co-hosts, right? Yeah. We miss them very pa- much. Patrick so. wanted to be here, but he could, but he couldn't you be know, here. Yeah, yeah, hey, man. I I appreciate him. 
appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much. It was it was a ball. I always have a blast. Dan, we always love having you on the pod. Thank you for being here, man. Yeah, you're clutch for us, man. Like we ask you to yeah. come on, and you're like, yeah, I'll come on. That's whenever really cool. Want, whenever yeah. you want, you guys are my people. Nah, right it's good talking to you, bro. Yeah, right back at you with a shout out for sure. Um, it's me, right? I'm right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so uh, a couple of shouts out first of all, and I know I just keep doing it, but again, uh, so my Sycamore Spartans are still undefeated. And it was really weird was they beat uh, the Caneland Knights, which is where I went to high school and played. Uh, and this particular game was, it was one of the best high school games I've ever seen guys. Uh, like in like with 59 seconds left in the game, uh, the Sycamore Spartans tight end caught uh, a bootleg pass uh, to go up and win the game 22 to 21 uh, against the Caneland Knights. So, Coach Ryan decided to go for two and go for the win, uh, and they ran play action and they ended up and they ended up winning the game, which was which was pretty cool. It hurts a little bit because it's my Caitlin Knights, but my son plays for the Sycamore Spartans, so Sycamore Spartans it is. Uh, let's go, psycho! So that's one, and then we've got uh, we've got a winner uh, a couple of weeks ago. I put out a contest uh, for for a sweet hat. Uh, we asked you to retweet uh, the post that we put up. We asked you to subscribe to YouTube, uh, and we had a lot of folks do that. It upped our subscribers, and we're greatly appreciative of that. So the winner uh, of a sweet Chicago Bears hat is uh, Coach Bear. He's at Coach Bear 74 I will send you a DM, my friend. We'll get your address. Now, I will say this. He does live in Wisconsin, but he gets credit. He gets dude gets credit. Dude, yeah, that's a tough gig to live in enemy territory. <laughs> he went from Lower Michigan, and now he lives in Wisconsin, and he is still a diehard Chicago Bears fan. Beyond Love the it. cheese curtain, he that's has maintained his loyalty. So that's I feel good about giving him this hat for sure. So shout out to you, Coach Bear. You're the big winner today, my man. That was nice. That's awesome. We feel bad uh, for you, but it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> right, you get you get spotted cow and cheese curds. It's okay. Yeah, you get spotted yeah, cow. Yeah. It's not yeah. a bad life. It's not a bad life. I, I'm close enough to northern Wisconsin at this rate, but <laughs> uh, a few shout outs. Um, one of these days, I'm just going to start taking Jack's Sycamore Spartans just to see what he says. <laughs> I know it's coming. I know it's coming. Every- Real quick, I'm sorry. I, I don't no. mean to interrupt you. I promise I don't. Now you're good, bro. When when he said Sycamore Spartans, I had to think twice because do you guys remember that Bishop Sycamore? Yes. Yes. I'm I'm sitting here like, whoa, Jack, what are you talking about, bro? <laughs> hey, Jack, how do they keep winning, man? <laughs> crazy. If you yeah. haven't seen that on HBO Max, I think it's just Max now. Yeah. Watch it. It is yeah. insane Bonkers. watching. Crazy yeah. Jack. PSI. PSI. Jackson so Connor, he's he's actually a 28 year old man. I mean, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> um, no, okay. So my shout outs, real quick. Um, this sucked. This this month really sucked. But uh, the Chicago Cubs, at the very least, uh, made it fun for a bit until they just, you know, collapsed and did what every other Chicago sports team did and just didn't show up in September. But you know what? It, it was a fun season at the very least, and I needed that. So shout out to the Cubs for at least giving me some a little bit of joy. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Raise it, baby. Um, 
And then a team that did win, and that I thought Jack was going to say, Notre Dame. Awesome. Awesome win last night, Yo. man. I Look, Sam, Sam Hartman, I love watching Sam Hartman so play. Dreamy. I think that so he's, he's so man pretty. <laughs> uh, Damn, yeah, yes. Damn, yes. For our, for our audio-only listeners, words, Dan just pulled up a beautiful Cubs poster and then a Notre Dame poster. I love it. <laughs> like, like, on the wall. Like we planned it or something, but we I did, need I more did Dan Goodwin the third life. I need more Dan. <laughs> I, awesome. Dan, I knew you were a Cubs fan. I couldn't remember if you were a Notre Dame fan. That's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> oh Either love goodness. him or hate him, and we love him. This well, is why I love Dan, man. He's the best. Um, yeah. So anyway, Notre Dame, awesome game. I love watching Sam Hartman play. He is dreamy. He's man pretty. You know, he's just a, he's a gutsy quarterback too. Uh, just great win from them. Um, and then a couple personal shout outs, shout out to my baby sister who awesome. uh, got married last weekend. Awesome day. Um, she's 10 years younger, younger than me. So um, definitely felt, you know, emotional for that one. Cause I, you know, I saw her like, you know, grow up. I basically kind of helped raise her, raise her in a bit, uh, you know, with my mom and dad, since I was like the oldest. So um, that was really cool. Awesome wedding. Congrats to her and her new husband, Aaron. And then I haven't done it in a while, but my, my mom watches every single one of these live streams. Yes. Uh, she, she never, she's like, I don't want to comment cause I don't want to be weird. I was like, you can say whatever you want, but I will give you a shout out, mom. Thank you for always watching. Um, you know, I, I do this cause I, it's fun, but honestly, I, I also like doing it because I know my family and friends like watching it. And they, she says, she's like, I learned stuff from you guys and you don't make me sound like it. You know, you don't make me feel like an idiot. It's, it's good awesome. conversation. So that was one of the best compliments I think that we could get. So shout out to my mom. She's awesome. But this wasn't one of my, one of my original shout outs, but my buddy Nikhil, who's, uh, was the best man of my wedding. He, he's not a bears fan, but he, he watches all the time. Uh, I mean, partially he said just for the conversation. So yeah, shout out to, to all of you periphery bears fans that are, that are hanging out with us. Uh, it's, it's awesome. Scott Lon, my buddy from high school just got engaged. Shout out to you, oh, Scotty. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, Jack got to meet him. We were out in San yeah. Francisco, my buddy pill. Um, he's just a good, good friend and has helped us out a lot around the house uh since now that there's there's two of them <laughs> kate's uh er team I, I mean it 55 minutes we got to the hospital and it wasn't even 15 minutes from the moment we walked into the hospital to the do- moment my daughter was born it was she almost had the baby in an elevator it, it was it was crazy and one of the nurses uh her name was megan uh at good samaritan hospital she's an er nurse she was insane uh just like we just we love this woman and just she like I just, I, I can't say enough to my wife who's watching both daughters right now. Um, just, I love you so much. And I just, I want to make sure that hopefully this works. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's, she, she's telling the bears to one more time. Play better. <laughs> Play better. So, <laughs> so that's my oldest daughter who's now uh, just been a big sister and it's been, it's been so much fun. Shout out to Dan Goodwin, the third for just hopping in with us. And, and seriously, dude, we're just so thankful, man. You and I mean, seriously, you're, you're, you're like an honorary member of the bear down Chicago podcast. We're just truly thankful. Shout out to Devori and, and to Roy, to those guys, please send our absolute best for all of you that are hanging out with us. There are so many great places that you can get a bears content. You go to three Kings, the midway you can hang out with us there's a lot of places that you can go for tonight at least you've chosen to hang out with us and folks 
that does not get lost on us. We are so, so, so thankful for all of you. So for all of us here at the Bear Down Chicago podcast, that's temporarily Dan Goodwin III. That's Logan Bradley. That's Patrick Shellen. That's Jack Wright. That's Brendan Chagru for all of us. Thank you so very much for listening. And as always, folks, bear down, Chicago.